Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. If you're still like just deeply praying over somebody, you can ignore me. I would rather Jesus minister to somebody through you this whole service than you'd be like, oh, we got to get that back to our normal timeline. Um, Jesus can do whatever he wants in this church. And what he's commissioned the elders to do is actually to equip you to do the work of ministry. And so if this is new, if this is your first time, I actually see a few new spaces today. And, and you're like, this, I feel, I, I'm sweating and I'm nervous. What do you mean pray for somebody? You pray for somebody, pastor. And, and our refrain for about the last year and a half has been like, no, you. You pray for somebody. You are the hands and feet, the body of Christ. And until we learn how to minister to each other, I actually haven't done my job. My job is to equip you for the work of ministry, that you proclaim the gospel, that you lay hands on the sick, that you are Jesus's hands and feet. And that's exciting to me because that's church on a level that's bigger than Sunday for an hour, hour and a half. That's bigger than just some, okay, get me my two songs, some offering, a nice chippy sermon and a nice response song, and then get me home. That's way bigger. That is the Spirit of God filling jars of clay and taking the kingdom of God to the earth. That's exciting. I'm excited. This is a fun day. I, got, I mean, I was excited coming here. And I was like, God, I can't wait to get to your house where your people are and see what you want to do. And he's on the earth. He's moving. He's building his kingdom. And a lot of times we need to be reminded that the kingdom of God is advancing. It's not being torn down. It's actually advancing. And it might not look like what we thought. It might not be palaces and power positions in the government. It might be lowly in rags and people hate us, but it will still be the kingdom of God. So I'm excited because we're going to we're gonna hold some people underwater today. I was joking with one of them. I was like, how many seconds do you want me to count? The bubbles stop. And it's this idea that we are, we are going to put somebody under the water. They're going to go, I belong in death with Jesus. And when they come up, we're going to yell together, and now you're alive with Christ forever. Yeah! That's exciting! So I don't know about you. I get pretty excited about it. We're also going to make a uh, challenge. John is, if you're here, and maybe you didn't come here to be baptized today, uh, we actually are going to invite anybody that thinks is called by the Lord. Like you start to be like, I'm supposed to get baptized. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care if it's your only pair of jeans. We got some extra rags in the back. You can wrap it up and walk out this church baptized today. Okay. So just so you know, we're, we're headed that direction, but I'm going to start in Psalm 27. If you have a Bible, open it up to the Bible. We love the word of God. We want to be taught by the word and we want to be led by the spirit of God. What you just watched, we sang because the word tells us we should sing to God joyful songs, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, things like that. That's biblical. Singing to God is biblical. And then you watched as I came out and I said, hey, I really feel like we're supposed to pray for people with depression. That's the spirit of the Lord putting something on me to pray for you. So taught by the word, led by the spirit. We want to do that because we think also the Bible tells us to do that. So as we got into the Psalms, I like the songs because they're actually songs. And I've, I've encountered so many, I'm going to call them church people. That's not a diss. That's just, you ever met a church person? They really like church, but you're not quite sure if they like God. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. We don't want to be church people. We want to be God people. And, and God people, it seems, as far as I've studied, they love to sing. Anybody love to sing? I mean, those are your extroverts, probably. They're the people that can actually do it. I can't actually sing. I have been likened to a dying sea cow, a dying manatee. That's what, I, when I sing, the Holsworth men just can't sing. And usually, like, our wives are next to us, like, you should stop. Anybody have a wife like that? You should just stop singing. It's okay. Well, what I've found is you can't take a human person, fill them with the glory of God, let them be touched by the kingdom of God, and Jesus, like, be their Lord, and they don't want to sing. And so I think it's actually odd when I meet people that are like, that whole singing part, I don't like it. Because my response, usually it's a little snarky, I'm a little ornery, is you're really going to hate heaven. You're going to hate it. All they do there is they sing to the guy on the throne, who by chance is not you. And so we got to, I like the Psalms because they're songs. They are songs of the people of God that are, are to be sung. And I'm not going to sing them today. We're not going to sing them today. But the songs of the people of God are for every season, every emotion, every event of life. And I like all 150 of them because they go through every human emotion. I mean, they're angry, they're bitter, they're, they're full of rage sometimes against the enemies of God. They're also hope-filled like, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I love you as the deer pants for streams of water. I mean, it's just like, whoa, I feel that. You know what I mean? And here's the reality. You all have gone through seasons like that. You probably didn't sing them, though, right? And, and so when we talk about the songs of the people of God, I mean, Old Testament, the whole temple structure, that whole sacrificial system, you know what it was based in? 24-7 worship. Songs, sacrifices, and praises to God. That whole, like, enter his, like, gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, they lived that. And so we look at the New Testament, you're like, where'd all the singing go? Well, as they gathered together in their homes, they worshiped and they fellowshiped and they broke bread and they listened to the apostles' teaching, saw signs and wonders. And then you have these ongoing moments, like when the saints go marching in, like the, the Salvation Army would literally have parades singing the songs of God. Wherever the people of God get together, there seems to always be a song that rises up like great is the Lord or worthy is the Lord. And I'm not talking about styles of music. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord that seems to bubble up into and out into song. Has anybody ever been in love and you're just a singer when you're in love? Maybe, I mean, we don't do that as much. That's more like a 1950 vibe. But like the guy's like, oh, I love her. Like, let's see that, that was that singing coming out. But you, you can find yourself, if you're just having a good day and things are going in your way, don't you find yourself almost humming, like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, having a good day. And when you're not having a good day, you're probably not singing. But they were always singing to God who was their hope. And so I, it kind of led me to this thought of like, if we were to take all of your words and thoughts this week and put them into song form, what would that song sound like? Some of you are like, eee. that would be like a death metal song because I've had a really bad week. Anybody know what death metal is? Take metal and then put death on it. And then uh, it just gets really screaming and angry, right? Some of you would just be like total optimist. I mean, I'm, I, what would the song of your life be this week? Would it be work sucks, I'm underpaid, 
I can't believe I got to go home to four kids. Or would it be, God's got me. He's seen me through with his faithfulness and I love him. What would be the song of your life? These are the songs of their lives. And so as we look at Psalm 27, I, got, I'm, I love Psalm 27. It comes out of me constantly when I preach because I, I feel this call to this church of verse four, but we're gonna, we're gonna read a couple verses and then tear it apart. Read a couple verses, tear it apart. But it has a challenge that, that kind of conflicts American Christianity. It's this, it's this challenge to put away the things of the earth and go after one thing. So I want to pray. And I know you're like, we've prayed a lot here. I actually just like to talk to God more than I like to talk to you. And we need him. And we need him. So Father, we ask for you, the living one, the holy one of heaven and earth, that your, your presence, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You, you gave us the spirit of the Lord, which is this sign and this seal that you're with us now. But I ask for the manifest presence of God. I ask that as the word is read today, it would burn in our bones. That it would, it would pierce and convict us. It would change us. By your spirit, they sang these songs. Wrote them down so that we can remember. And so, Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for your body. Would you set them free from anything that's binding them? Would you restore hope and joy and peace and love in the name of Jesus Christ? And would you teach us what you want to teach us today? In Jesus' name, amen? You got a Bible open? No, my kids all said no. Open a Bible! I just like to have a physical Bible. Mine's kind of falling apart. I could pull different parts out. Uh, but I can also show you that it's got markings and words that I wrote down. Like the day that I wrote, read this, it's got a date and it says, when is, where is Jesus right now? So it's like a whole conversation with God in a physical book that I get to mark these moments that I read his word and he taught me. That's why I like physical Bibles. If you have an app right now, I'm not mad at you. I just think it's mm, mm. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're going to stop right there. So it seems like he's very aware that fear is calling his name and God has made it able for him not to be afraid. The normal, the normal Christian that I talk to today, you know what they're driven by? Fear. Fear of some kind of like, well, what? my kids have got to be safe. I'm afraid my kids are going to get hurt. I'm afraid they're going to teach them something I don't like. I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Um, it, it could be like job instability. I'm afraid I won't be able to provide. I'm afraid I won't have enough. I'm afraid, and they don't always say it like that because we're not always aware of our motivators. But what David says is, the Lord is my light. What does light do? If I gave you all a flashlight, turn the lights off, you'd be able to see the Lord is my light. He tells me where to go. He shows me the path. His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Like this is the reality that we have a God who said, I will lead you. So we do not have to be afraid on, should I go here or should I go there? If I get fired here, is he, is he still my light? Yes, my light and my salvation. The Lord saves. The Lord is my security. My salvific hope is in God on high. And then he asked that kind of rhetorical question because he's like, obviously, whom shall I fear? 
Whom should you be afraid of? If God's on your team or you're on his, let's say that. If God's over your right shoulder and Satan shows up to challenge you, you just look back and go like, I'm not worried. If the whole earth turns against you this week, Christian, and decides, let's decide America hates Christians and thinks we're all stupid. They're headed that way. We look over and we go, I'm not afraid. So why are we afraid? Maybe you and I need to become better preachers. And I don't mean like, let's get up here and preach. I mean, you need to preach to your own heart. The Lord is my light, not the earth. The Lord is my salvation. He has never failed me. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Picture a big, strong tower. I mean, you could put a moat around it in your imagination or not. It's heavy. It's strong. You run into that tower and you are safe. Even if an army came against you, you would be okay. So the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Now, I've been told I talk about Taco Bell too much. I think I talk about it too little. So let's just pretend, let's just pretend we were at Taco Bell. Just pretends for funsies. We're at Taco Bell eating a tostada crunch, okay? And I say, hey, what fear motivates you or, or like drives you the most? And we were actually being honest. Or you weren't treating me like a pastor you had to hide from or your savior like a savior you had to hide from. But you were like, God, I truly, I worry about this. What is it? Not being enough, not having enough. What is the, the driver of your life? And if we can get Christians to actually believe what the Bible says, and I, I, I'm like, what do you mean? That the Lord actually is our salvation. I've been ranting on this, but like we, Christian, American Christianity, we like to go, yeah, Jesus, but I'd also really like a firm 401k. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Jesus is, he's my salvation, but I really need a good house. Do you see like the disconnect? David's not unaware of the troubles of the earth. You know that, right? Like he's a king. This is the boy king, David. David is a man after God's own heart. He's also made some massive mistakes in his life. If you're like, really, like what? Well, he slept with another man's wife and then killed him. Little slip up there, yeah? So he understands what it is to fear. He understands what it is to be surrounded by an army. He understands what it is to have to make a lot of decisions in the day. But what he's going is, God's my light. God's my salvation. God's my stronghold. Therefore, I will not be afraid. He's preach singing, which I've never tried. Want to try? I'll have to rap because I can't sing. Just kidding. I'm not trying this. Verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. What's he confident in? His salvation, his light, the Lord who is his stronghold. He's confident in that thing. And that's important because of what he's about to say in verse 4, my favorite verse of the whole psalm. He's confident because he's, he's pursued something very different than the earth pursues. And I would say even different than a lot of churches these days pursue. Verse 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
You know how hard it is in the earth today to be about one thing? You know how hard it is? You will be an odd bird. You'll be a weirdo. And it won't just be to the earth, it'll be to the church. You'll be the weird one that goes, no, I have to go away and be with God. You'll be the one getting up in the middle of the night and going, God, I just want to be with you. And people will be like, why are you so serious about this? King David goes, okay, there's armies encamped against me. The Lord's my light and my salvation. And the reason I'm confident because I asked him for one thing. I wasn't worried about riches. I wasn't worried about military might. I wanted one thing. What did he want? Put it in a word. He wanted God. He's like, that's the one thing I'm after. One thing I ask. This is what I'm after. And then he changed the course of his day to get after it. Which is a hard thing to teach Christians because they're like, well, I think God's sovereign, so I, God, I just want you. And then they go live however they want. But what's David do? One thing I want, God, I want to be with you. So what do you, I think it changed his day. I think he went and sat in the temple. Probably the tabernacle and the temple wasn't built yet. Solomon was going to build that. And he sat there. And he went, God, not only is it the thing I want, it's the thing I'm seeking. It's the thing I'm going to spend my time on. And when they go, why is the king spending so much time sitting, gazing upon the Lord? He's going to go, because he asked me to, and I said, yes. He's about to tell us this. One thing, I want to dwell where the Lord is. I want to look on him. I want to see him. I want to behold his beauty. Church, the Lord is beautiful. And that's a very poor word. I, I, I lose language talking about him. Holy glorious, beautiful, but awe-inspiring. The God that we say we can know because of Jesus Christ invites us to do the exact same thing David just said. To literally, you have to put some other stuff away to be a person of the one thing. But I think God's asking this church, what do you want? And over the years, we've said different things. And we didn't say it with like words. It wasn't like evil even. It was a lot of times like, we want a lot of people. Why do you want to? So they can be reached, so they can become Christian. That's not bad. But when you get into one thing, I, we want one thing. God or nothing at all. It's all I'm after. And I, and I don't mean a concept. I, I, don't, I don't mean, oh, I felt some tinglies. I mean the manifest goodness and power of God in a people in amongst us so that when people hit that door they hit that threshold they just start confessing their sins because the spirit of the lord is here convicting them when christians walk in and they go oh i feel his love here i'm like and they're like but why don't i feel that anywhere else because god's calling us to be a people of one thing you'll know like for years you're like we're gonna be a church that's really good at coffee notice our coffee is really small now i don't care if you have coffee it's great. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I'm glad you have a caffeine addiction. What I really want is for you to have God. It's in our vision statement that we would be lovers of God that love others into life-changing encounters with God. I want every person in here to encounter God. The reality is when I, when I say one thing, God, one thing I want, I want to dwell with you, I want to see you, and I want to inquire, I want to meditate upon your goodness, a lot of us in the back of our head go, 
I don't know if that's possible. I'm telling you that it's possible. It goes back to the whole Seek series we did. God is knowable, God is findable, and he's looking for a people that will seek him. That'll put aside the earth and go, God, I know I, I, I could come to you with a list of things. And I'm sure some of you all have prayer lists. And because he's a father, I ask God for a lot. But the deep parts of my heart are only going, but God, I don't care about any of that really. I really just want you. I just want you. I just, it just, it just sits somewhere behind my belly button. I feel it. I feel a longing for God. And in my own life, I have ranted about this because I have done church. That song we were singing, I've done religion, I've done tradition, I've done church, I've done hour services, get in, get out. I don't want that. And if you're here and you want that, you'll just be frustrated. Welcome to frustration then. I want one thing for you. I want God to possess you, know you, and you to know him. I want you to intimately be in communion with him in prayer. And I don't want Christians walking the earth anymore going and doubting that he's not with them. Those are the foundational things. Is God with you right now? Was God with you in the car on the way here? When you woke up this morning, who was with you? So if you just took that idea and we actually took scripture and we preached saying like, like David, the Lord is with me wherever I go and we believed it. Would you live differently this next week? If you actually believed that God was with you everywhere you went. Would that change anything for you? That would change how you prayed, how you hoped, where you spent your time. If Jesus sat on your couch with you last night while you watched what you watched, is it good or bad? You're like, it's no good if he was next to me last night. He was with you. He might be grieved, but he was with you. Different stuff. To be people of the one thing requires you to put the things of the earth to death. Which is why I think a lot of people don't go that route. But it's not about if I want it. It's about if we, as a church, will go, okay, God, we'll orchestrate our services. We'll orchestrate our studies. Our women's ministry and men's ministry and youth ministry, they will not be about show or getting a lot of people. They'll be about one thing. So this isn't just like, hey, here's a nice sermon about Psalm 27. This is like a call from the Spirit of the Lord to this church. What do you really want? Which is an interesting question. Because let's just say we found ourselves at Taco Bell for the twice this week. And we were sitting there having a conversation, eating a nice Crunchwrap Supreme. Mmm. Right? And I said, hey, I am actually a genie. I don't give three wishes, though. I only give one. So whatever you ask for right now, you get what do you say? One thing. You just get one thing. Go ahead. If you say a million dollars, what'd you say? Closer to God. I love that, that, right? So Christians know what to say. We know it's supposed to be God. We know it's not supposed to be money. But if we were truly honest, and I know we're in church, so we'll lie through our teeth. But if we were honest, the desires of our heart are always not oriented that way. True? So what's your one thing? And I don't mean the Christian answer. I don't mean the right answer. I mean the real answer. And maybe you need to talk to God about that if it doesn't match what Scripture is telling us to be, the one thing. 
For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David just loved to sing to God. I mean, David was the guy that like got down in his underwear and danced for God. David was not ashamed to offer to God what he believed God was worth. So you'll notice there's a couple he will do's and then there's a couple I will do's. He says, he will hide me in a shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon the rock. So what is God doing right now for those that are going, okay, you're my light, you're my salvation, you're my stronghold. I might be encamped by an enemy, but I won't be afraid. I'm going to be confident, and I'm asking for one thing. What is God doing right now in your life? Well, he's hiding you from the enemy. He's the one that puts your feet on solid rock. So where you are standing, Christian, you don't have to, like, fight. You don't have to strive. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to be like, I'm afraid he didn't put me on the right rock. He does all that, not you. If you let him, he'll put your feet on firm ground and it will be him, not the ground you want it to be. But then he says, then I, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Did anybody offer any shouts of joy today? And this is the, the reality as Christians right now, we have a God that's going, I am the light. I will lead you if you'll let me. I am your salvation. I will save you because I'm good and God and made a way through my son. I am a stronghold from all of the earth's woes. Come into me and be safe. I am, all, he's like all these things. And we have a group of Christians that are coming to him so often and we're going, I really don't know if I can trust you with my whole life. I really just want what I want. But David's like, while I'm making sacrifices. He's giving gold. He's probably sacrificing animals in that old system of the Old Testament. And while he's doing it, he's going, yes, God, you're great. I'll give you it all. And there's a quantifiable difference between that and what we do a lot of times, not all the time. So can, can you see in your life a sacrifice of praise with joy? Because once again, it seems like the human body, when it's full of the glory of God, been touched by Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit dwells there, they can't stop but sing. Have you ever, have you ever met an old saint? And I mean, like, I've, I've met a few that are, like, almost, they're like getting ready to die, and they're just smiley about it. You ever met that old person? They've walked with God. And they're like, whoo, my Savior, let me tell you about him. They're like, just read scripture over me, Pastor, and they're beaming the whole time. And then they're like, can we sing some hymns before I go? And I'm like, I don't like hymns, but yeah, let's do it, right? They, they, they seem to have got the concept that there actually is a joy of the Lord that is not like the happiness of the earth. That the joy of the Lord really is their strength. And they really aren't afraid about dying because they know where they're headed. But the normal Christian, we're not quite sure about a lot of things. We're not quite sure if God really will lead me, if he really is my light. We're not quite sure if we're even really saved, so when we can't sing the song, you are my salvation, because we're not quite sure. We're not quite sure if he'll save me in times of trouble. We're not quite sure if we really want to pray a prayer that says, only thing I want, God, only thing I want is you. Because what our deep desires are, our stability in our house, money to do what we want with, 
and a life that's free from guilt. But God says, I want you for me. Do you want God for him or for his stuff? All that reminds me of is another psalm. It talks about those who look to the Lord are radiant. They are never put to shame. Have you ever met somebody, and, and usually everybody I know can point to somebody, they're like, that person knows God. Do you know a person like that? It's not like they glow or float or anything. It's just like they just seem unbothered by the earth, and they love being with God. That is the Christian life. We love being with God. We love being with God. It's what we want to be. And so, so often when we come to church, I'm like, well, what do you want? They're like, well, I want a fixed marriage. And I'm like, well, what do you want, God? No, I just want a marriage fixed. God fixes marriage, guys. God fixes human hearts like no one else can. The Spirit of the Lord is mighty. He heals and saves, but He is a God that is wanting to be known by His people and them to know Him and them to know Him. Like it's like a crossway. He says, I will sing and I will make melody to the Lord. And I, I, it's not even about your singing, singing. It's about your heart. But are you making song to the Lord? Do you find yourself just humming at the sink, going, God, you're great and I love you? Are you caught up in a love relationship at all with the Savior of your soul? If not, you might have mixed, missed the message that he's looking for followers that love him that sing to him, I just want to be with you. Isn't that what lovers do anyway? Like on the earth, when a guy finds a gal that he loves very much, he's just like, I just want to be with you. Forget those other girls. I just want you. And that's a human level. How much greater is the God that we say we know? Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O oh God of my salvation. God said, seek. David says, well, you said seek. So what did David do? I saw it. And so, so often when we come to the things of God, God has said to his people, if you seek me, you will find me are you seeking because we can say the same thing we don't have this thing from david but we have scripture that says seek the lord god is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him hebrews so we have the same invitation seek me you'll find me knock the door will be open ask and you'll give you an answer so are you obeying the call of the spirit of the lord and i've gone through seasons where i fight that I'm like, no, Lord, I'd rather be lazy on the couch. I'm much more interested in what the earth's doing right now than you. I'm a little bit scared that if I put all those things away and then try to give you all my time, I won't really find you and I'll be disappointed. That's real talk. But from my own life, guys, I just keep saying to this church, God is knowable. This whole thing when David says, seek me, and the Lord has said, seek my face, this is God, when the Lord talks about his face, People don't see the face of God without dying. He's going, I want you to seek the fullness of me. I want you to seek the place where I am. I want you to be able to know what I want, know where I am, and know when I'm not. 
And David goes, well, you asked for it, so I'm after it. You can even take this to other things in the word. Like the Bible says, pray without ceasing. How you doing there? Another thing, we're like, this is what the Lord said. Are we responding with, yes, Lord, I'm trying. Are we going, it's impossible, I don't even think it's real. You said seek, and so I said, Lord, I will seek you. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, he will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That verse right there has is, is been quoted quite a bit here recently in this church. I believe I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So much of modern Christianity, and rightfully so, has made a really great big deal about eternity. It's right about here, right when you die. That's when we get the glory of the Lord. That's when we get to see him. That's when we get to know his goodness. And that's true. Things there are going to be better than here. Amen? Can't wait. But what David's saying is, not only do I believe then, I believe right here. Right here in the land of the living, I shall see the goodness of the Lord. I believe that. I'm seeing it in this church. I'm seeing the goodness of God being poured out over a people who are not satisfied with religion or tradition or their way. They're going, God, we want your way. And when a church does that, he's pleased to dwell there. But so often, because the world is the way it is, it beats us down. Like we lose the job, we lose the kid, we get the diagnosis, and hope, hope starts high. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I might see the goodness of the Lord. I don't even know what the goodness of the Lord is. And I don't know if that's you, but I've been praying that God would restore hope to you. That it wouldn't be, I know one day I might see it if I'm good enough. I hope I make it to heaven. It would be right now, I have a hope restored that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why? Because he's with you and has saved you and is your light and a stronghold. And he is good altogether. So maybe as we step into some prayer and some worship before we do some baptism, maybe you need to ask God, God, my heart has lost hope. I have not seen your goodness, and I'm starting to doubt. And you can be a little bit like the dad that brought his son to Jesus to heal, and he went, I believe, but help my unbelief, which is a crazy cool thing, because Jesus isn't like, what do you mean unbelief? Get it together. He goes, okay, I can work with that. Jesus is so awesome like that. He knows exactly if you're filled with hope. He knows exactly if you've lost hope. He knows exactly if you don't think he'll lead you. He knows exactly if your salvation is secure. He knows, he knows everything about everybody in this room. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. They always end like that in the Psalms. They're always like singing to God and then they're like, oh, by the way, keep waiting for him. Don't turn somewhere else. The Israelites were notorious for this. They get chastised all the time. They go build cisterns and dig wells that are lifeless to try to fill their bellies and their lives 
when they have the source of living water available to them. And God goes, why did you do that? I wanted to feed you. I wanted to water you. I wanted to prepare for you. But you went elsewhere. Wait for the Lord. Take courage and don't lose heart. And in this earth right now, it's pretty easy to take and like lose heart. You feel that? Pretty er easy to let our courage fail and look at like geopolitical climates and the temperature of the day and be like, God, it's, it's hard being your follower. But I think I would like to stop and just pray through a few of these things. So I'm gonna have the band come up here. And I'll just ask a few questions, but I'm gonna put you in the same place we ended the first worship set, which is if you could get to a place of prayer, maybe you need to close your eyes, you need to kneel, you wanna sit with your hands open, I don't care. And I'm just going to ask the Lord to come and minister to you. More correctly, I'm going to ask the Spirit of the Lord to come minister to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 27. Thank you for the songs of the people of God. So we sit before you, the living God, and I ask that you would come touch people. Father, by the Spirit of the Lord, in Jesus' name, that you begin to heal and restore hope. That maybe we've been scared to pray a prayer that goes, God, only one thing in what I want, but really what we want is something else. And so would you come right now and would you search our hearts? See if there's any wicked way in us and then lead us in the way everlasting. King David starts with, the Lord is my light and my salvation. If that's true of you, will you tell God that? God, you are my light. You are my salvation. You can almost pray David's prayers to God. Lord, you are the stronghold of my life. And if while you're praying that, you start to feel a doubt settle in, start to talk to God about it. Say, God, I don't know if you're my light. I can't see very well. God, are you pleased with my life? Lord, I'm afraid and I don't know if you'll, you'll save me. Lord, I don't know where to go when all this trouble hits. Are you a stronghold for me? One thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I'll see. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Father, I ask for spiritual eyes to see your beauty. Father, I ask by the Spirit of the Lord you would come right now and give us spiritual eyes to see the beauty of God. And I make it a prayer of this church, just because I'm here, that we would be a people of one thing. One thing we ask, God, is that we would dwell with you. That you would be pleased to dwell here. And that this house would know and proclaim that we are going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I ask right now, Jesus, for spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, that there would be a renewing of our minds. Is there anything of the earth that we need to set down so that we can be more focused? Now I want you to listen right there in your seat. Listen to the Lord. He's very alive and very much speaks. 
if something just came to mind, like as soon as I said, is there anything I need to set down? And it immediately flashed in your head, a TV. Ask him, what's that mean? As we sing in response, if you're here and you're lacking hope, I'm going to actually ask the prayer teams to come up now just so we can start praying for people. So if you're on a prayer team and if you're here and you're like, I don't have a hope of the goodness of the Lord. I'm not expecting God to come through for me. I want you to not come tell them all your woes. I want you to let them pray for you. We're going to ask God to supernaturally fill you with the hope of the gospel. For him to touch you and to set you free from any of that. So as we sing this next song, feel free to stand, sit, kneel, clap, shout. I worship God in response to the word. And then we'll celebrate some baptism. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless you.